Hey, I'm John Travis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to encourage you to visit our website at traviscompanies.com slash podcast. That, that's podcast with an S. At the bottom of that page, there's a link to a form where you can submit questions that we might answer here on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Now, let's get on to today's question. I'm John Travis, and the questions that are being asked at the moment are, what are some of the challenges that we face in our industry at this moment in this time? And then from that, what do we see happening? What's next for our progression uh, in the industry from San Antonio, Texas? So the first question is, what are the challenges? Oh my goodness. I think what I tell people is every day you get up and we swing our battle axe and try and knock out as many orcs as we can because it's just that kind of season. It doesn't matter if you're on the painting side of the business or the millwork side of the business. Everything that we read about in the paper or you see on the news at the moment are very real challenges. So, for example, uh, supply shortages and materials, even now, and, and I think today's uh, the first week in April, if we order something, it may have used to a year or so ago taken you know a week to get, two weeks to get. Now things may take eight weeks, 12 weeks. So we've got to order now for things that we may not get till the summertime uh, in order to man a job. And it doesn't matter you know who would have thought the day that we would have the same challenges when it comes to paint. I mean, some of the specialty hardware on millwork, you're like, okay, I can kind of understand some of this. But even getting paint uh, for a period of time there, we could not get regular latex eggshells or even latex flats. But even as the market has kind of come back a little bit better and some of these plants have come online and they've kind of figured out some of the supply chain and the delivery issues, even now getting dry fall, some of the harder epoxies, some of our specialty catalyzed finishes that we use in finishing wood and the like, those we have to order much, much ahead of time. So material shortages are a deal. Uh, the pricing, the inflationary pressures right now are off the charts. If you call and get a price quote, even this week, you know, I got a price quote last Friday. Today is, I think, Wednesday we're sitting here. And already it's several percentage points more than it was last week. It's more so on certain items than others. Uh, some of the harder to get uh, woodworking uh, supplies or hardwoods, some of the more challenging specialty hardware, um, steel, some of the stone, things like that. Some of your more commodity things are more regular in their increases, but there are a lot of them. So material challenges are a lot. How do you, how do you bid a job? How do you go to a customer and say, today when I get this plan, I think it's X amount of dollars to do this work. But if you don't build it in time or by the time I get to the job several months down the road, the price may be up, you know, 5 to 10% or even more, depending on the product. It's very challenging, very challenging to have those discussions. We can't eat that amount. We don't have that much money in the job. How do we do this? How do we work together and, and do this together in this environment? So one of the things to overcome it is everything much more transparent, much more upfront, both in terms of timelines, working with architects and owners and contractors. So... In many ways, it has pushed us all together in the same boat, which I think is very helpful and less of an adversarial, which depending on the contractor and the like in the, in the past uh, might happen, you know, oftentimes rather than not. 
So in that, we're all dealing with it. It's, it's part of the environment at the moment. But it is a challenge, and a challenge to constantly be in communication to convey all this. Um, you know, of course, the second biggest challenge, uh, not just equal, but probably greater, is labor. You know, we have wonderful, wonderful craftsmen and women who have worked for us, uh, some of them for, you know, I've been in business 20-some years. They've been here 20-some years. You know, some of them uh, I met along the way, and, and we've had an opportunity to work together. Uh, others are people that have grown as we have continued to grow. Um, and so finding those people is uh, not easy. It's not fast. It's difficult. Finding people that want to invest the time in a trade. A trade is so beneficial. Um, it's beneficial in terms of, of creativity. It's beneficial in terms of job satisfaction. It's beneficial in terms of wage. Uh, often people that have a degree might make less uh, than some of or, or many even in <laughs> many of our craftspeople um, because their talent and their ability is something to be valued and something to be grown and something to be treasured. And it's hard to cultivate. It's hard to find those people. So um, in this market, uh, I guess to contrast it to times past, if you needed painters in times past, you could put an ad in the paper. Back then we did then. And you might get 20 applications by the next day, and I'll pick the four best ones. Now you know, there is no paper to put it in. But whatever service you use or wherever you tack your card to find people, you may get one phone call in a week. And the person that uh, answers the call may say, I've never done it before in my life, but I'm willing to try. So it's just very difficult right now to find the labor to, um, and the talent within that, not just bodies, but able men and women uh, dedicated to their craft uh, to create these beautiful things that we do and to service these wonderful projects. So material and labor are a challenge. And I, and I think, especially the labor portion, uh, for the rest of my career, however long that is, and for whoever does this next here, I think cultivating people is the number one thing that I, I think I'm, I do, and finding good people and engaging good people and equipping good people uh, is really the challenge, and it is a constant, evolving challenge. Um, and I think that's going to be a tremendous deal for a long time. I don't know that I have anything else to add to that. Um, you know, another challenge that we have in our industry is, is workload. You know, we've done a lot of projects, and you never know which ones you're going to hit. And the first part of the challenge of workload is you, it, it's uh, the porridge and the, the, the wolf, uh, Red Riding Hood. I mean, not too hot, not too cold is really how you want to run this thing in terms of paint projects. You have so many people that can do the work at certain times on the millwork side. You have so many machines. They can do X amount of volume. So you're really trying to have this steady state cadence, just boom, 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 and not too fast, not too slow. We don't want to starve our system, and we don't want to overload our system. And so there's this constant battle in construction, I think, in general, but especially for us in terms of mitigating that risk so that we fall into the band, and it's not too much, it's not too little. And that is a constant gas break, which often is done through pricing or because of relationship, frank conversations with hey, you need this done this point. We're going to get you in trouble. We don't want to do that. 
but we can do it at this other time if you're flexible. Or if not, you know, how can we help facilitate or allow you the time to find somebody else? It is a constant set of conversations to try and make sure that we're not on a roller coaster going, you know, back and forth over and over. That is a humongous challenge in what we do. And then you add to that, I think, a fourth challenge is at the volume and size that we're doing, even from San Antonio, Texas and Austin and regionally, and we we go into other states, you are impacted economically. I mean, it really, uh, meaning economics as a whole, if the economy overall isn't doing well, or, or for example, take now, currently, I mean, they're talking about raising all of these interest rates to battle the inflation. Yes, we need to kill inflation. However, there is a risk as they raise these interest rates, which they've got to do. It's a balancing act. I understand. But of course, there's a fear. And what we do, we build buildings. When somebody builds a building, especially on the private side, most likely they're going to go borrow the money. When they borrow the money, they're going to pay an interest rate. They know they have X amount of costs. they got to make it pencil in. And the reality is when interest rates rise and all of a sudden they're going from paying you know, 2% or 2.5%, 3% on a note to all of a sudden they're paying 5 to maybe the way they're talking, 7% at some point, of course people are going to build less buildings. They're going to move and do other things or they're going to wait. So there is a risk and there is a challenge in what we do to paying attention to those things, to attempting to find the right selection of work for the right time in the future to try and help you bridge some of these perceived gaps. And sometimes in the past, we've been on the wrong side of that. So for example, in uh, 2007, uh, when it was going from Bush 2008 to Obama, um, I felt like in that regulation change that there would be a step back the reality was, actually, I had it called wrong. It actually, in Texas here, it went forward for about a year. Then you got clobbered with everything that was going on with 2008 and 2009. <clears throat> so just that was kind of a, a, a smaller push that was over the course of months. But we've been caught in some of those swings before. For, you know, Another example is not pushing far enough, fast enough, when there was a swap from Obama to Trump. Or, uh, you know, realizing that how much this would take off with low interest rates and some of the deregulation, you know, we weren't prepared for that growth. So there is a challenge of economics at this level of we're not just a helpless boat in the ocean. We may have a small motor, but at least we have a motor that we can put in the water and it can take us in a direction. And we're trying to do that while we float on some of these waves that may be deeper troughs or higher waves. And Part of what I attempt to do, the management team attempts to do, is try and see out what are the upcoming risks in the economy, what do we need to be doing. Um, so for an example of that is, you know, February of 20, you know, you could see it coming just briefly and then boom, it happened quick with COVID coming in and shutting things down. But immediately, you know, you're getting everybody together, you're conserving cash, you're trying to pull every lever you can to watch your costs not knowing what the future would hold, but at least knowing that, look, it's going to look something like this. And even in that, you're making your best guess. So even in COVID, you know, we had a tale of two stories that year in that, you know, the Millwork side got crushed. The Millwork side did restaurants and hotels and retail spaces and a lot of medical. And especially in the COVID time, a lot of those projects got pulled as people held their money, even in the medical, as people... um, 
you know, weren't going to build a hotel if they didn't know that people were coming. So millwork had a heck of a time. Whereas on the paint side, everybody, once they realized, oh, hey, nobody's using these buildings. Now's a good time to go fix them up. You know, we did great on the paint side, just maintenance and repainting. So economic challenges are a very real deal that uh, we're trying to, the best we can, imperfectly make decisions that that help us navigate them as well as we can. And then I, I guess the second question was, so what are you going to do next? You know, what happens next? Well, it's hard to see the future, especially with the uh, economy and everything that's going on at the moment. It just seems like you're overwhelmed with a war and things that are happening at the border and labor and material and inflation. And, you know, you turn on the news and it's bad news everywhere, it seems like. And, uh, you know, what do you do? You know, how do you make decisions? How do you plan in the midst of that? And so I think what's next for us would be uh, a general statement and then two kind of directions. The general statement is we want to be the best we can be and do all things with excellence with the day that we have in front of us. And so we're going to get up tomorrow and swing that axe, and we're going to each of us make the best decisions we can make on that day to service our customers, to support each other, and I feel like if we do those things, then over time, the bigger things kind of fall into place. At least that's the hope. And so I think our, our scale, our vision moves away from years to weeks, months, even days at some occasion. We're going to shrink our world to tackle what's in front of us. And really, that becomes what's next tomorrow. I think beyond that, on the painting side, uh, our desire is to stay in the San Antonio area and to do that well. Uh, we travel within an hour, hour and a half. We want to continue within that zone uh, to continue a, over a 100-year tradition of servicing our customers well, solving their problems, taking care of things, doing and leaving uh, good quality products that uh, we can be proud of, the customer can be proud of, and that can last uh, for, for a while. Um, that's on painting. That's what we want to do there. We want to service this place that we've been blessed to be in, this region. We want to do that well. On the millwork side, probably a little broader horizon in that the, one of the, the things you can do on the millwork side is you can make things and you can ship it anywhere, um, and somebody else may install it. And so I think our desire there is to continue to refine our processes and our people. We do many different functions on the millwork side. Uh, staining, finishing, metal, plastic, stone, quartz, you know, uh, custom work, non-custom work, et cetera. I think we want to continue to refine how all those pieces work together, uh, committing to deadlines, doing things with excellence, doing them with quality. And, and I think if we do that, the next opportunity will present itself. And that may be another region, that may be uh, another customer, that may be another uh, uh, product line. Uh, I think those things will reveal them to ourselves as we continue to walk forward faithfully. Um, that's my experience. That's the plan at the moment. So we've got a lot of ideas on the board uh, that are growth-oriented. But in this season, really what we want to do is we want to tackle what's in front of us and do that well. Um, again, so blessed to be in this time and this place, despite all the challenges in life and all the challenges in the work environment. What a wonderful group of people we have here, of talented craftspeople, uh, men and women who have an opportunity to use their talents 
to create beautiful projects and service wonderful things. And I look forward to continuing this I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to listen to more episodes, check out our archives at traviscompanies.com slash podcasts. We release a new episode each week. Next week on the podcast, we're going to have a special guest, the CEO of Metropolitan Contracting, originally based here in San Antonio. They have regional offices. We're going to be meeting with Jane Feigenbaum, who I've known for many years and has a lot of experience uh, in this industry, and we look forward to listening to her story. We hope you'll join us, and thank you for listening.